0: This is SideQuest Completed, the hobbyist game dev podcast with your hosts Calvin and JC. Coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. Speaking of uh, long pauses, slowness, and punctuated by some developments, we're here to talk on SideQuest Completed, Calvin and I, about travel in games.
1: Yeah, I, it's a... Uh... Well, you you suggest this topic uh, just just before we start recording, so it'll all be off the cuff. But I'm really interested to talk about this, just because it's um it's an interesting th- thread that applies to a lot of different kinds of games. It has also been handled a lot of different ways over the timeline of games. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to an interesting conversation. I think I'm sure we have both very different experiences with games that involve travel in different fields but whether or not it's done well or not or is either annoying or adds to the theme so there's a lot of directions that you could take
0: yeah i remember one of my earliest video game memories is stuff where you the whole point is traveling be it mario kart super fx racer similar games and that's interesting because mm-hmm. travel for travel's sake and ironically you always ended up where you started because loop but yeah it was, wouldn't
1: I wouldn't think of those. I mean, yeah you're technically traveling but you're technically traveling and any give move in that case Yeah. I mean, unless just suggesting that wheels make the traveling
0: I guess a better example in travel is the RPGs have it often where there's both the uh, immediate small map you're playing in, the world map which have totally changing scale despite no change in the character graphics or whatnot. that's one curious example
1: yeah and sometimes uh, or when we started to get to games that were able to sort of fill in the gaps between all those main locations and replace the world map with just a more detailed full world uh, actually traveling between places became pretty tedious at yeah. times um and I guess that's about that that's probably the origination of things like quick travel. Mm-hmm. Um, Which the first thing you, you, whenever you first mentioned the topic of traveling, the first thing I remembered is um, the first time I played a Elder Scrolls game, which would have been um, Morrowind. I had no idea that quick travel was a thing, and when I had to travel from one city to the next, it took me forever, and it took me way longer than I'm comfortable to admit to realize that there was a quick travel feature and how to use it.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the advent of games like. Well, World of Warcraft, City of Heroes, where space is supposed to map something much more real. So people will notice when the city is too small. This necessity of quick mm-hmm. travel came up. This was necessary. But thinking about older RPGs again, how the question of how much of that overworld travel was there just to pad time. Because these games were very much sold on hours of value. Now that we've grown out of that as, as an industry, but yeah, a lot of stuff was there just. I like think load times too, older games, you had to put some degree of distance or simulate um, quick travel just to handle hardware limitations. It's a,
1: it's a little too quick to be called travel maybe, but in yeah. um, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I was always fascinated that the, uh, the the fastest speed at which you could run from one side of the loading hallways to the next was exactly long enough to load the next level. <laughs> which was really interesting to have designed around. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, even whenever you get new abilities to move faster, you still can't make it across that room. Nothing ever holds you back. You can always get through, but it just adds that little delay for them. Um, and of course, some games really use it for padding of just that that uh, playtime, uh, for better or for worse, uh, filling up world map travel with random encounters and you know things like that that just really, really slow you down without really adding much content. I definitely am thinking of. Back to the, the original Final Fantasy VII there and how much I hated random encounters on the world map.
0: Oh, yeah. Those are a pain. Has it changed much for the remake?
1: Well, I haven't gotten to a world map yet. I just got it. <laughs> you know, Mine just got delivered yesterday. And I don't know also how far the remake goes. Uh, this is not more travel topic, so I won't go into it far. But I don't know how much of the original game is in this because I do know it's supposed to be multiple parts. So I don't know where it cuts off and I heard it's around getting out of Midgard, so I may never even see anything like a world map.
0: Well, nope. I guess we'll find out in, uh, guess, several months, a year, whenever the next one comes out. But speaking of Final Fantasy, uh, one of the games that came to mind as soon as we thought of the topic of travel was Final Fantasy fifteen, where the game provides you with a car, and you travel much of the world in a actual travel sense of having rest stops, you might have random encounters on the road, but it's much more of a real road trip versus simply commuting.
1: I actually had never, I never played Final Fantasy fifteen. I've really sort of fallen out of favor for the the newer Final Fantasies just aesthetically. Um, but I was next going to mention games that where travel is less a thing in between what you would call the real game um, for things like padding or load time, or just to make a, a more expensive world, and things where the the travel is more a part of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And at first, I was struggling to think of an example, and then I realized Oregon Trail. Yeah. Which anybody who's ever played a game in the last 20 years probably has has, has played. I actually have the Oregon Trail card game.
0: Whoa.
1: Uh, But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other any other examples like that where the travel is the actual point of the game, you know, and and you would think, oh, journey. Journey is a fantastic example of uh, travel as game. Um, given how many games are designed around, you know, some adventure, some quests, some um, hero's journey of either literal or metaphorical sense, it making the game about traveling is a lot less common than it seems like it it would be. Mm-hmm. Like um, traveling uh, movies is a really, really, really common trope. Oh, yeah. You know, whether that's a, um, a car trip or uh, some sort of western you know, trunch tr- through the desert or uh, space uh, spaceship you know waiting till you get to your destination and uh, the adventure that happens. So there going places physically is always a big part of those stories and it's not really a focus of games a lot, even when it actually
0: happens in them,
1: which, which feels like a missed opportunity for metaphors or for um, carrying the, the theme.
0: Yeah, that whole interst- interstitial part of travel is so often treated as a necessary component, something to be minimized in a lot of games to get you to the actiony parts. But I uh, think other games mm-hmm. come to mind, you mentioned Journey. Uh, another one makes a good use of travel as a core component. It looks to make a good use of it. It's not out yet, but Christine loves Get in the Car, a Loser, which, as you can gather from the name, involves traveling in a car a lot. Mm-hmm. And that again is very much about their journey. I mean, many people along the way, encounters along the way that are interesting. Uh, desert bus comes to mind. <laughs>
1: that is a unique example, but yeah,
0: Very unique. Yeah, and it's what an indie game. There's a lot of people can learn from that development wise. Such an incredibly simple premise: get a bus across a desert, but still made interesting. Not just by the game itself, but by the community around it. People finding ways to make it part of charity and other good causes. Even the mm-hmm. something as simple as the Mozilla can't reach the server loading screen with a little dinosaur minigame counts. So as a little very what is, cute little travel example.
1: So what what are bad uses of travel? You know, he talks about maybe just being a little tedious or using it to pad the time, but what you know, what are really just uh examples or um, directions taken with with travel and games that have been you know truly negative can, you, can we think of anything that you should really avoid
0: any unnecessary travel certainly having a big open world with nothing to do in it isn't very fun early minecraft suffered from this a bit because the world wasn't mm-hmm. as developed and you would run the large tracks of just land and as they added more features they made it more interesting And even at its worst, there was still something you could do in that given area. So it wasn't entirely boring. You could build a house anywhere. But travel was slow and a bit tedious sometimes. If not for the daylight cycle and the occasional having to worry about zombie attacks and skeleton attacks, it might have been a much more boring game. So that's one thing they did right with Minecraft is giving you some reason to pause, to take a break from the trip and be it's, cognizant and, of
1: what's going on while you drop any non-linear game that requires uh backtracking to, yeah, to get around to places it yeah. doesn't you know, really go wrong <sighs> it's not always a bad thing depending oh, on it's... how it's laid out and what you can do while backtracking um what new things might get opened up that you didn't have the first time you're in the areas you're returning to but um though it is maybe my favorite game of all time castlevania soon as the night definitely uh, definitely suffered from bad back travel in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. Um, the, especially getting into the, the second castle. Um, there are a few shortcuts in the map laid out the, the key rooms to teleport around that help you a bit, but there are still so many times when you can get stuck and really frustrating areas that you need to get through to get to either your destination or even just to one of these key rooms to, to get somewhere. Um, where the thing you're trying to get through has nothing to do with your goal, um, and and that's you know that's the problem there is making the travel um, just not even incidental to the game, but actively antagonistic to your goal and the the, the task at hand um, without feeling like it's part of what you're trying to do. You know,
0: yeah. you might as well be debugging broken um, GPU drivers on your computer instead of actually playing the game. Yeah, so that's a big takeaway for indie hobby devs. Don't waste your precious time and energy for your game project on unnecessary interstitial in-between work. And similarly, you don't have to provide, you don't need to pad your playtime by adding backtracking work for your players necessarily. It makes some practical sense sometimes if you are going to provide more for them to meet there, like changes in the NPCs, new developments, stuff worth be visiting. they'll be glad to see. But otherwise, avoid unnecessary padding in your game because it's just more work for you. Yeah, I just... Hmm.
1: Yeah, I can't think yeah. of any other... I wanted to try to think of another concrete example or two of the experiences.
0: Oh, even line, I was going to say yeah. a general example of travel because mm. even when it's really slow travel, really long distances, it is, to my understanding, I see people like my girlfriend who's a player it can still be very interesting, and more importantly, it's easy to automate. There are ways to make your travel much more like taken care of without you having to constantly be watching it the whole time, holding the forward button. Yeah, so they managed to figure a good balance, it seems, between requiring large travel, which, by the nature of the game, is more necessary because it's simulating space, sure, versus cutting out the not making the, bo- the boring parts mandatory. Or as mandatory
1: all right so um, I think we are trying to shoot for um, a little more of a concise episode so I think we've unless you have anything else to cover uh, travel specifically related uh, we can move on to our uh, repeating um, segments um, do you have anything else that you feel Ooh. is um, an important touchstone of travel
0: yes I've got plenty of thoughts oh, yeah. uh, one game that came to mind FTL. The whole point of that game is traveling from point A to point B safely. Mm -hmm. And they managed to make that very interesting. There's almost always something happening, be it big, like a space battle, or small, just a bit of cleanup, putting out fires, some repairs in between. So there's almost always something to do to the point where when you're low on things to do in the game, you're either glad for the breather or increasingly anxious, and heated up, and excited for whatever is going to come next. So FTL is a good example of making the journey interesting, and indeed the entire point of the game.
1: Hmm. It's been a while since I've since I've played it, but yeah. I mean, between that and Eve, space games certainly it's kind of unavoidable to make travel an integral part, mm-hmm. just by the nature of uh, of setting. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Oh yeah. Another game comes to mind that Biscuit of Rain 2, which I've been playing entirely too much of. That is a journey through a few different zones. It's all about getting to a teleporter and getting to the next stage. And quite a small spoiler, you end up looping and going back to stages and you can keep looping until you either die or at yourself. And none of this remains interest, even when you've been in the same place over and over. Because the game provides you different ways of experiencing those spaces. Be it different characters, different loadouts, different monster fight challenges, mm-hmm. different bosses, different equipment loadouts generated within the stage to make the whole experience fresh every time. Because even though you're in the mostly the same zone with some randomization, you're still ex- uh, experiencing it's a different character going through that same space. So that's one idea for if you're going to have travel in your own game, think about how you can shake up that experience every time. Because swimming through a space that's full of water is different from that same one and flying over it versus experiencing it on a boat. It could be the exact same level. But if you're changing it, the mode of transportation, for example, that makes it very different for every uh, back and forth. It doesn't even feel, it won't even feel like an actual revisit if it's a whole different journey from a to b
1: yeah there's definitely things you can do to sort of um remix or scale areas and i also think of games um like open world games that have um the sort of experience scaled enemies try to tackle this i, I don't necessarily like how they do that you know that, those are the things where all the enemies uh, difficulty is sort of um ramped up relative to your own skill and character level so that as you're traveling around, even in a nonlinear fashion, even backtracking, you you don't come back and find things just you know uh, boring and and, and trivial, um, but find new or increasing challenges um, as you go around. No matter what the the order or number of times you visit an area are. Yeah. Um, but of course, then there's a lot of drawbacks to those difficulty scalings, and a lot of people swear by them, and a lot of people swear at them. So it's a bit of a gamble. Yeah. Uh, whether or not something like that is uh, something a player will respond to.
0: Yeah, don't make the mistake of Final Fantasy VIII and tie all monster difficulty in the entire game to the level of the one main character. Speaking from experience. Oh, that's
1: a bit of an oversight. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. That's why I never finished it. Alright. Um. not all of that. I think we're good for the moment. Definitely more we could explore with that later, especially when it's Less of a last minute topic, definitely would love to revisit this idea. But in the meantime, what have we been up to? We'll talk about, we start with the media. Sure. Um, hmm. What well, I, I started
1: watching uh Legacies, which Ooh. is a spin off of a spin off of Vampire Diaries. Whoa, um, I'm a little dizzy, too much spinning. Yeah, apparently, it's a bit of a sprawling, cheers like thing. Ah. Uh. <laughs> um but it's also very disconnected like my wife has had watched uh, vampire diaries and she watched the first season of legacies before and suggested it to me and had no idea that they were connected until the second time she watched them oh wow <laughs> um, so that that was interesting um but um it's been i'm really enjoying it the second season had, had just dropped so i'm rewatching the first one so we can watch that together nice and when we're caught up we'll be able to watch um watch new um i finished um the 2016 doom mm-hmm. um that was pretty fun. Um, the Spider Mastermind was a really fun battle. I tried a whole bunch of times, and I couldn't do it. And then I sat down another, the next day, and just, bam, first time. Bam. So it was cool. And it was the same day that uh, the, my copy of Final Fantasy VII arrived. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So I was playing that um, Sunday. And I actually picked up Overwatch for the first time in at least a month last night. Because um, okay. I don't want to be super rusty when Echo comes out. Yep. so and I actually had a, a few good games so that was Sweet. nice
0: good here. yeah in my case has been way too much risk of rain 2, imagine managed in a stressingly short amount of time to unlock everybody but one character. So ah so close was starting to do it eventually. But I was playing enough that I went ahead and uninstalled it because it was too much of a attraction there too much interest and eating away from other stuff I need to do. as to say, literally anything else. In the meantime, more manageable amounts of animal crossing. I've been very deliberate about pacing myself with that and that's made for a much more enjoyable experience. For example, I never planned to make my own Torrential Island and I think i am be having a lot more fun just on that account because I can play a small time each day, spend days saving up for an expansion to my house, now I get super freaked out about the stock market and just relax into it. Yeah, we have a whole conversation about uh, Animal Crossing speedruns as a commentary critique of capitalism, but that's another episode. Yeah, that seems to be missing a point.
1: I, yeah. I would like to take us like I wouldn't mind. I've never really played them, but I've really kind of uh, found New Horizons appealing. But I can't get into it lightly because of the whole one island per physical Switch console.
0: Yes. Which is so
1: dumb. So um, Yeah, So it means I can't play unless I'm playing along with the pace of my wife and her island. And she plays a lot more than I will. So it pretty much just locks me out of really having fun with it.
0: Yeah. It's like it's that's all necessary. in a whole other conversation. Imagine, I imagine most indie devs don't have to worry too much about it because they can't get the lock in the first place. But yeah, uh, other than that, catching up on podcast, uh, saying I'm busy with work. It's been a little bit slow for me, but pulling through. And uh, oh, yes, we've been watching, catching up on the new season of DuckTales, which is continuously impressing with this writing characterization and is not just a soldier here. It's definitely better than the old one. But yes, this mm. is very solid TV.
1: I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to really check it out and uh, maybe come back and say that those are fighting words. Yeah, but
0: we'll see. Like remember how I can't remember the name of the cartoon, but it was the uh, the nephew trio, but teenagers. They try to make yeah. them all. They try but imagine all that attempt at making them their own characters, but successful.
1: Nostalgia is a hard thing to overcome, though. So, yes.
0: yeah, well, it was easy in the case of DuckTales Tales. And small spoiler, but season three includes an appearance, a brief appearance by Rescue Rangers, so which gets me all kinds of hype.
1: I'd love to see a comeback of that. That would be cool. Yes.
0: All right. Um, in terms of game development progress, ooh, can't forget yeah. that. Yeah. So I can start on this one. I managed to. There's been lots of developer notes, so just been writing quickly each day get that word counted up, and most recently finally writing and sending out an overdue patreon update so a bit of a longish one 500 general notes but just glad to reach out to backers and see how they're doing and that's the big thing going forward i'm going to do the animations and polish whatnot emotes saying i would do and just go from there it should keep me busy for a while yet
1: so um I kind of already gave part of my update, or at least the subject of my update on our last episode, just because I've still been working on the same thing, which is um, the Seed Magic remake, which is a game I didn't finish for three years ago, um, and now I am remaking it in Python on top of Pursuit PyBear. Right. Um, and the progress has continued to go really well. Um, I'm really enjoying getting back into Python game development. Python mm. is always near and dear to my heart, and um i think this is just it, it's making me feel good and i need to feel good about what i'm working on right now always and that's working out really well and um pursuit Pi bear is great but still um young enough that i kind of I'm able to give some input on like how i'm using it um, i want to be able to build some complete stuff in it so that i can give some feedback as to what's working and what doesn't and also to contribute some um, features as i need them um, i got on top of it i've added Tweening, um, particle effects, and um, um, sprite sheet and transparency support that the building renderer doesn't have. And I'm hoping to get all those cleaned up into contributions back. That'll be really cool. No kidding. Um, So it's also one of the problems I had before um, doing Python game development is that it was completely from scratch. Um, And this kind of has a nice um, middle ground where I can contribute to the engine level, but I don't have to. Um, so I'm able to scratch that itch without it becoming the thing that I focus all my time on. Oh, very good. So I think it might kind of solve some of that that back that that problem that I've always had—that balance of really liking the low level but also wanting to actually finish things. Um, I hear you. So yeah, so I'm I'm confident that the project will continue to stay on schedule and I'll be able to finish it by the end of the month and um, hopefully I am not eating my words in two weeks.
0: We'll find out. Yep. So we're here for one reason for this whole podcast is our individual accountability on our game dev efforts. So we'll see how well that pays off. I feel like we actually should have some sort of audience participation challenge in regards to this, like we'll make you do something embarrassing. Well, if you don't do it in time.
1: Hmm. Yeah, we should think about something like that. I mean, we're trying to give updates constantly on on our projects and um, people listening, presumably. Have their own work that um yeah. that they might i'm not sure how we would work that in but i think we should both think on that and maybe we'll come up with something yeah
0: in the meantime uh dear listeners feel free to reach out to us if you just want to say hi questions about the podcast things you want to share in the world of indian hobbyist game dev maybe just give us a rate new review on wherever you listen again this has been side quest completed your source for any hobby, game dev, inside advice, musings, what have you. And hope to see you again next time.
1: Thanks for listening to the SideQuest Completed podcast. If you aren't subscribed, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also find all our episodes and our RSS feed at SideQuestCompleted.com. Subscribe today and don't miss an episode posted every Wednesday. Keep game devving, and we'll see you next week. finally got my copy of uh, Final Fantasy 7 yesterday.
0: Oh, Final Fantasy is a remastered, right?
1: Remake. different Remake.
0: (sighs) Nice. Yeah, I've been following a lot of people posting on it. And even with the nostalgia filter on, other folks, it seems that they really enjoy it for its own sake. So I am strongly tempted to actually pick it up. I'm
1: enjoying it so far. I'm also pretty sure that Heather's going to play and my son's probably going to pick it up. But I'm also trying to figure out how... To like, I now I I really I don't play it more than they do, but I also don't want to spoil it for them if they do want to play. Yeah. So that, I'm not sure how to balance that.
0: Yeah. Good question. No, they also apparently moved that we the, the necessary transphobia from the dress clad in the dress segment. So that was nice. Yeah. So better writing. Yeah, I think only fixed that in Persona.
1: It's um. <sighs> it's it's it is a little surreal playing. Like it's not not too much, but it is. You know, it's not like it was scene for scene, just re-rendered in higher depth. You know, it is a new game following the steps of the original, but it's all close enough that you can map everything that's happening back and compare it in your head, which is weird to do in real time as you play and have an entirely different feel uh, as far as the presentation because it is so much the same and so different at the same time.
0: Yeah. I only remember being a passenger to my brother playing it, so be interesting to see. They don't have the same kind of like finger finger feel for it, beyond it being very much like Final Fantasy VI in terms of the answer play, which I did play. So we'll see. Okay, guess we'll also be getting started.